to give a little shout out to uh, special guests in the room uh, and hopefully not to be guests any longer, to be more permanent residents here. And that is my mom and dad, Danny and Deborah Cheshire. Can you give them a round of applause? So it is official. They have moved here to Liberty. Yay! Uh, so this is super exciting for us and for our family. And, uh, and then my sister and her husband, Nathan, and my nieces, they're here today as well joining us. And so uh, it's just a pleasure to have them here. Uh, and, and we've had a crazy week <laughs> getting ready and preparing, uh, moving in, but um, it's been well worth it for sure. So excited to have them. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys in here are planners? You like to make plans, okay? Okay. How many of you planners get a little frustrated when things don't go according to plan? All right, okay, cool. I'm with you there. I'm with you. Uh, so I'm a planner as well, and I, I like to have the plan be very detailed, especially when it comes to time. Like, I want the time to be allotted just right. What, what makes me most frustrated is when something takes longer than I think it's supposed to take. It's like, oh, this is taking so long. I, I'm very time conscious, and so uh, that's hard for me as a planner. Well, this week I had a plan and part of that plan was to prepare our basement for my parents. They, they've moved into our basement for the time being as they're looking for a house, um, which is awesome. Um, but we wanted to get it ready for them, right? And so uh, I had this plan to put in this kitchenette, okay, in the basement, DIY. And you guys all know that DIY projects don't go according to plan. <laughs> and so I had this DIY project to put in this kitchenette and we're super excited about it, right? And so I've got everything planned out time-wise. They will get it done before they arrive. Now, they didn't ask for this. They're like, oh, you guys don't worry about it. But I really wanted to get it done, you know? And so um, it was a really interesting situation. Uh, I had these awesome interruptions that kept happening called Home Depot runs. And you guys know all about that, um, where you're in the middle of this project and you're working on it, things are going well, they're going according to plan, and then you realize that there's this little part that you need, that the, the thing that they sold you requires like a little washer or something, but they don't provide. So awesome that they do that. We require this, but we don't have it. You have to get it. So um, I had a lot of those. I mean, I, I think I literally took 20 Home Depot runs over a few days. It was insane. Uh, I hated Home Depot. But I got to know all the, customer, all the workers there on a first-name basis. It was awesome. The checkout guy, literally one morning, one morning I went in three times back to back to back. Like I went there, got something, got home like, oh, I forgot this. Went back up there, got it, came home. And I'm like, oh no, I need a blade for this saw. Went back up there. And the guy at the self-checkout line was like, oh, you're back again. I'm like, yes, yes, Gary, 
my hand back. You know, um, so it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting week. Um, but by the grace of the almighty God, we got it done. So we got the kitchenette installed. It was awesome. It worked out well. Uh, we had a couple of gaffes in there, but it, but it worked out. And, um, and I remember I was asking myself in the middle of this project that I didn't have to complete, but was really adamant about completing, why am I so adamant about getting this done? And, and I was talking to Katie about it one night as we were laying in bed and we were exhausted after working on it. And I said, you know, the reason why I really want to get this done is because I want to, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> um, because I want to honor my, my father and my mother. And they didn't ask for it, you know, and, but there's not a lot of opportunities we have in life to serve our parents because they're always serving us. And they're pouring out their lives into us and they're caring for us. And to get an opportunity to do something, any, just any way to serve them, um, I really wanted to take advantage of that, you know, and I wanted to do something really special for them. And so that was my driving force in that. I didn't completely know that until I really took the time to think about it. And I think that's why things ended up working out. <laughs> because when we make plans according to the things that God values and prioritizing the principles of his kingdom in the process, they tend to work out for our good. Romans 8.28, right? God works together all things for good to those who love him and are called according to what? His purpose. And so when we make our plans according to his purposes and his values, they work together for our good. So today the title of my message is Prioritizing Principle. Prioritizing Principle. Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that you will speak to us this morning, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, and I pray, God, if, if anything is of me that comes out today, I pray that those words will fall to the ground and come to nothing, God, but I pray that your words will remain and be seeds planted in good ground, bearing lasting fruit in our lives, God. We want to exalt you and say yes to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. amen. Well, we are continuing in our series this morning on living on purpose. Uh, last week, we talked about living by the presence, and I mentioned that a little bit after worship today. Living by the presence of God, and how Joseph, when he was standing before Pharaoh in that moment, and he, Pharaoh tells him this dream, and he has no, he's no training to be a dream interpreter, but in the moment, he, he tells Pharaoh, I don't know, I don't have the answer, but this is what I know. He said, I know that God is with me, and I know that he has everything I need. I know those two things. God is with me. And that's living by the presence, understanding and increasing our awareness and attentiveness to the spirit of God literally dwells within us. And in every moment, God is with us. Right now, in this room, in you, in your heart, the spirit of God dwells and is present. God is here in every single moment, right? And he has everything that we need. 
right? He has the strength that we need. He has the grace that we need, the wisdom that we need, just like the volunteers at Love, Inc. Like he's there in those present moments to give them the grace to steward those moments. And so we live by the presence in each moment and we come to understand that every moment of our life has purpose. Every moment of our life has the calling of God on that moment. It's just up to us to be attentive to God's presence with us and lean into him in stewarding those moments. And then that's how we live by the presence of God. So Joseph did that. We saw that and it was wonderful. And so we're going to continue in the life of Joseph this morning. We're going to pick up where we left off. So Joseph had just uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh had shared his dream with him. Joseph had interpreted and said, okay, there's going to be seven years of bountiful harvest, of bountiful crops. I mean, abundance, bounty, right? And so you're going to have a lot, a lot of things coming in. And then right after those seven years of abundance, you're going to have seven years of famine, the worst that the land has ever seen. And everyone's going to forget all of those years of abundance. So he gives them this interpretation. And then we're going to pick up in verse 33. He begins to tell Pharaoh, here's the plan, okay? Here's the plan that you should enact to prepare for this. Verse 33 of Genesis 41 says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So Joseph here has a plan. He presents a plan to Pharaoh. You notice that he was living by the presence in the moment, right? Interpreting dreams and everything else. And so Joseph could have just been like, well, you know what? This is coming. But, you know, when the famine comes, we'll just wing it. You know, we'll figure it out then. It's all right. We're going to live by the presence. Like, no, he didn't do that. He had a plan for that, for what was to come. Verse 37, it says, The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. This sounds familiar, doesn't it, Joseph's story? Potiphar's house, he makes him second in command. Everything, everyone's going to answer to him. In the dungeon, he makes him second in command, and everyone answers to him. In the palace with Pharaoh, makes him second in command, and everyone listens to him. I mean, this, it's, you see this pattern in Joseph's life because the Lord was with him. And so when we, leave, when we lean into the voice of God and we live by the presence of God and we lean into his wisdom and his grace and his strength, it is a testimony to the goodness and presence of God with us, people began to notice God must be with you. Like, how would you know this? I mean, Pharaoh even though he was a pagan, he noticed it. And God must be with you. How did you, how is this possible for you to have this wisdom? And that's true, that when we live by the presence of God, we become a light to the world, a testimony 
to the world around us. And so Pharaoh gives him this huge promotion, and it talks about it, and all this stuff, and, and, and then everything comes to fruition. Everything that Joseph interpreted with the dream comes to fruition. There's a seven years of plenty, and they gather a fifth of it, and they store it in these storage areas, and then uh, comes the seven years of famine, and then they've got the food. And then the, the country starts coming. People start coming to them. They sell them food, and it becomes so bad, and people need food that they sell them their land, and they sell everything, basically, to Pharaoh. And then the kingdom just expands and grows because of Joseph's plan. And so, and then it ends with verse 57 in chapter 41. And all the world came to Egypt. All the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So God blessed the plan and it worked. Joseph made his plans according to the wisdom that God gave him, right? God gave him revelation of what was gonna happen. So he made plans according to that wisdom, the revealed knowledge of God, he made plans according to kingdom principles like love and care and stewardship. And then he made plans according to the character that God had developed in him during his time of suffering all the way to the palace. So he made plans in that way. So how do we, how do we learn from him in this? When we're making plans in our lives, we want to live by the presence, but we also want to plan by the principles of God's truth and his word and his kingdom. So how do we do that? What do we learn from Joseph? How do we plan by the principles? All right, number one, we plan according to prudence. We plan according to prudence or looking ahead. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven through nine And the New King James says, in him, we have redemption, talking about Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So it says here that in Christ, God has given us by his grace, all wisdom and prudence, like literally the spirit of wisdom and revelation lives within us, right? And, and we prayed that prayer in Ephesians chapter one, that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, right? So we have in Christ, we have all wisdom and prudence in him. So prudence, what is that? What does it mean? Uh, it is acting with or showing care and thought for the future. Okay, so prudence is acting with or showing care and thought for the future. It's looking ahead, thinking ahead, and preparing for what could happen, right? In in layman's terms, it's being prepared. That's what prudence is. It's making a plan and preparing for what could happen and what could come. Right now, Joseph, we notice, he did that. Like he he had a plan and he made his plan according to the revelation that God gave him, right? But he made a plan for the future. He he didn't just fly by the seat of his pants. You know, he could have done that, but no, he thought ahead. He said, okay, God's revealed something that's coming. So now we need to be prudent. We need to think about what is to come and then make a plan according to the foresight that God has given us and the wisdom and the prudence that he's placed within us. He chose to make a plan for the future. Proverbs 14, verse eight says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. 
Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. And then Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So a prudent man foresees. He sees what's coming and he prepares, right? Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a plan. Look at what he said to his disciples before he ascended. He said, okay, guys, here's the plan. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you're going to wait in Jerusalem, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and he's going to endue you with power from on high, and then you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to go into all the world, and you're going to preach the gospel to every creature. Signs will follow them that believe. You're going to make disciples of all nations. You're going to baptize them. You're going to teach them all the things I've commanded you to do. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and to the ends of the world. Jesus had a plan. And he gave the plan to his disciples and they went after it. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And then God poured out his spirit on the early church. So it's important, and I know we have all experienced this. Uh, How many of you guys have ever acted before you thought. (laughs) Okay, everybody in here, I know I've done that. It's called reacting, right? Something happens and you're like, and you you act, right? But you get a reaction instead of a response, right? Uh, The difference between reacting and responding. Um, And so it's clear in scripture that God wants us to think before we act. He wants us to think before we act, but that our thoughts are in submission to him. Okay? It's not taking ownership. It's not saying, I'm going to fix this problem. No, 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 no. No, it's saying, all right, Lord, I'm going to think, how are you wanting to fix this problem? <laughs> right? But he wants us to think before we act. So a practical way for us to live with prudence is the four Ps of prudence. The four Ps of prudence, because pastors, when they're preaching, use a lot of Ps in their proclamation of principles in the, I don't know, I'm just, that was pretty good. I went, I went for a while, that was not bad. All right, so four Ps, the four Ps of prudence. Okay, number one is pause. Pause. So when something happens, something that we may normally react to, the first thing that we need to do in having self-control is to pause. Okay. Take a deep breath right? Count to 10, whatever they say, you know, right, for kids. So take a deep breath, pause, and then number two, ponder, okay? Ponder. Think, think, okay, what's happening? How am I reacting? What is going on here? What's coming up in me, okay, that's unhealthy? What is my unhealthy attachment? Like, what's, what's going on, you know? Assess the situation. Stop, breathe, pause, ponder, and then pray, all right, Lord, what would you have me do? How can I respond? How can I act with prudence? So pause, ponder, and pray. I had to do that a lot this past week, especially with the Home Depot runs. Uh, I have to admit that um, sometimes I didn't get to the pause part. No, that's step one, if you didn't catch that. Um, Pause, pray. Let's be real. Um, 
pause, ponder, and pray. And then the last thing is patience. Don't you love that word, guys? Don't you love patience? It's wonderful. So instead of just acting or reacting to life, we choose wisdom and prudence. We pause, we ponder, and then we pray, and then we, we say yes to God, and a lot of times yes is wait. And so we wait. God tells us to do something, we act in obedience, but we wait, and in the prayer, I'll tell you this, one of my biggest prayers is, Lord, help me have patience. <laughs> like, I know I'm, I need to wait. Lord, give me the grace to wait your way with hope, trusting in you completely for the end result, and having self-control as I'm waiting. Proverbs 20, 21 5 says, The plans of the diligent or the prudent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. So this is a biblical principle for wisdom. If we act hasty, if we react to everything, it's not going to go well. But if we can pause, and part of this is living by the presence of God too, in each moment. Pause, ponder, pray, and then act on what God might be telling us and calling us to in that moment, but also in our plans. So we plan according to prudence. That's number one. Number two, we plan according to kingdom. To kingdom, God has given us prudence and wisdom, revealed knowledge of the will of God. He's given us revealed knowledge in his word. That is so awesome. We have this incredible tool at our fingertips, the word of God. The living revelation of Jesus is right there, and we can plan by the principles of his kingdom and his truth because we have it in hand. How awesome is that? See, God revealed things to Joseph about the future, but Joseph didn't disregard those things in making his plans. He didn't disregard the revelation of God, right? In fact, Joseph made his plans entirely around the revelation of God. Like every part of his plan was based on the revelation that God gave him. And that's the invitation we have from the Lord, that we have the revealed word of God, the, the, the scriptures in our hands. And so we can make our plans entirely around the revelation that God has already given to us. We have the ability to do that, but I know that I'm guilty of it, that I can make all sorts of plans and disregard God's revelation in, in the process. We can make all sorts of plans but Joseph didn't do that. Proverbs 8, 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. They work together. I possess knowledge and discretion. So the revealed knowledge of God, his wisdom and prudence work together. So we start making plans for the future according to kingdom principles. What we see in scripture that God's revealed to us, seeing his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're about, right? That's what we're here for. So when we make our plans, we make them according to kingdom principles. And we see this in Joseph, right? What are the kingdom principles that we saw in Joseph's plan? Love for the people. He didn't want them to die. He didn't want them to suffer and to starve. Love, care for these citizens, these people. And most of them were pagans. All of them pretty much were pagans. Service to them, right? Jesus said, you want to you be the greatest in the kingdom, be the servant of all. Stewardship is a kingdom principle, 
stewarding the resources God provided to us, right? All that bounty that came in those seven years, stewardship, that is a kingdom principle. And Joseph made a plan according to that principle. So what are some questions that we can ask ourselves when we're making plans? When we're making our plans, what are some questions that we can ask ourselves in order to plan according to the kingdom principles? Number one, do my plans prioritize kingdom principles and values? So does my plan prioritize love, care, service, stewardship, justice? Does my plan prioritize witness, discipleship, kingdom principles? Does it prioritize those things? Am I, am I forming my plan entirely around the revelation of God in his kingdom, the one that I'm submitted to, my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ? Do my plans prioritize calling and purpose? The plans that I'm making, what God's called me to do, right? Our identity, am I prioritizing that? We have to plan first for what matters most, right? Plan first what matters most. So when making our plans, our calendar, our schedule, well, what matters most? Well, the calling of God on our life, nurturing a loving relationship with Jesus, being obedient to follow his example, to be a witness in our community, to make disciples, to, to be a godly spouse, a godly parent, child, sibling, to be a member of the body of Christ, in answering the call of what God's called us to do within our, within our church family, to be a worker, the things that we talked about. Am I prioritizing that in my plans? Am I scheduling first or planning first what matters most? Calling and purpose. And then lastly, do my plans prioritize rest and sustainability? Rest and sustainability. I know it's not the plan of God for all of his people to be burnt out. <laughs> that is not the plan of God. That's why he instituted the Sabbath. He said, six days shall a man work. And so you can work and you can work hard. He said, but on the seventh day, rest. I want you to rest because I don't want you to burn out. There's plenty of plans that we can make that are good plans. There's so many things we can do that are good. But the question is, is it God? Is it what he's asking of us? There's a lot of good things we can do. We can fill our lives with good things. And we can just absolutely kill ourselves doing good things. But is God asking us to do those things? What is he leading us to do? And what is he asking us to prioritize? So are we prioritizing rest and sustainability in the plans that we make? So we plan according to prudence. Looking ahead, plan according to kingdom, kingdom principles, right? And then number three, we make our plans according to character. According to the character that God has called us to exemplify. We can make all sorts of plans and we're great at doing that, but ultimately the motives behind our plans determine whether or not our hearts are truly submitted to the Lord. It's the motive. Why? The why. It was what I was asking myself with the crazy project, you know. Like, why am I doing, why am I so adamant about this? Is it, you know. Um, 
And I'd, in, at that moment, and listen, there have been plenty of times where my motive wasn't great. <laughs> I will just tell you that now. This time happened to be a good one. Um, that's why I shared it with you. Um, <laughs> no, good example. All right. But why? What, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the drive? Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Don't we know it? <laughs> Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So what is God actually asking of me? What are my motives? So some questions we can ask ourselves when we're planning according to character. What are my motives behind my plan? Why, what, what's the why? Why am I doing it? God, is there, it's search my heart, oh God. Is there, is there any wrong way in me? Is there something in me that's driving me? Is there, is there an unhealthy attachment in me? Am I doing this because of an insecurity in my heart? Am I doing this because I want to prove something to someone? Am I doing this because it's a craving of the world that I want more or it's a pride in my achievements and possessions or uh, physical pleasure or whatever the craving might be? What, what's the why? What's the why? And then secondly, am I prioritizing compassion, humility, confidence in God? In making my plan, compassion, am I thinking of others or am I just thinking about myself in this? Is this about me or is it incorporate, am I, am I thinking about the people that this will affect? Am I thinking, is this good for my family? Is this good for my spouse? Is this good for my friends? Is this good for, you know what I'm saying? Compassion, thinking of others and then humility. Am I doing this because I'm trying to make something of myself or that I need some validation in my life? Or am I believing what God says about me that I'm already exceedingly valuable, have the highest price tag ever, the blood of the sinless son of God on my life, and this is, this is a farce. This is something that I'm trying to grab for something. Humility and confidence in God. Again, is it about me? Is this, is this something that I'm taking on, putting it on my own shoulders? I'm doing this. This is my plan, my action, and I'm going to get it done. Because I have the skills. Are we taking ownership when we should be submitting it? It could be God. It could be right, and the motive could be good. But are we letting God be strong for us? Are we leaning into him? And then the last question is, can I maintain the fruits of the Spirit in this plan? Can I maintain the fruits of the Spirit while doing this? Or am I going to compromise my character? In order to get this done, am I going to get, am I going to lose the fruit of gentleness? <laughs> right? Am I going to lose the fruit of patience? Can I maintain the fruits of the Spirit while carrying out this plan? And listen, and sometimes it's, you know, we, we're depending on the Holy Spirit. Like, we're going to have moments, even if we do, even if we say, all right, this is the Lord and our motive is right. You know, there's going to be times. We're going to be up and down. We're going to have moments. We need to surrender to God. Absolutely. That's going to happen. But these are good things to think about when we're planning out our lives to think, all right, God, I just want to be submitted to you. I want to plan by the principles of your word. And let's be honest, when we make plans, you know, we might think of one of these six. <laughs> let's just let's be real. Might think of one. But hey, that's, that's good. That's something. We don't have to start. But trust me, I don't think through all six of these every time I'm making a plan. But these are helpful. 
And they come up at different places, at different points in a plan or walking something out. God will bring them to my attention. But these are things that can help us submit to the Lord. But Joseph, he didn't change who he was. His character didn't change even when he rose to a position of prominence. Stayed the same. So we plan by the principle and we live by the presence. So we do these things together. This is one of the ways we can live on purpose, right? And they work together. Now, we can make a lot of plans and we can, we can put our trust in ourselves for those plans and we know what God thinks about our plans that are based on our strength, 1 Corinthians 1.19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So like we, we don't have what it takes. I mean, we need Jesus. We need to rely entirely upon him. That's what he wants. He wants us to completely and totally and utterly rely and trust in him and his grace and his wisdom and his discernment and his direction and his knowledge in our life. But that doesn't mean that we can't make a plan. Okay? Trusting in God isn't just, it's not just winging it. We can still make plans because when we are making a plan, we are relying upon the revelation of God in the planning process. We're relying upon what God has revealed to us as we make a plan. And so that plan is still submitted to the Lordship of God. And then we rely upon the grace of God in doing it. So we rely upon the wisdom of God in making the plan and the grace of God in carrying out the plan. And if we, if we just do the planning, then we're neglecting the grace of God. If we just make the plan and then we just kind of do it in our own strength, then we're neglecting God's grace. If we just live by the presence, but we don't make the plan, then we're neglecting God's wisdom. So God invites us to do both, to steward both the wisdom and the grace of God. And when we live this out, it becomes a testimony. Just like Joseph, look at this in Genesis 41, 38. In the New Living, it says, So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? What a testimony. Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? When we live out our purpose and when we say yes to Jesus, we're the salt and the light of the world, people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Pharaoh, a pagan ruler, saw Joseph live by the presence, have divine revelation for dream interpretation. He saw him planning by, prince, by kingdom principles, this incredible plan. And what does Pharaoh do, this pagan guy? He says, I'm going to submit to your God into his plan because your God seems to be good because he's looking out for me and my people. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's a testimony. And then he had no problem exalting Joseph to a position of prominence. Because Joseph operated in this way, he helped lead his family and an entire nation to be saved from destruction. How awesome is that? That is, that is a huge testimony. So I want to close with this. Um, a great illustration of this 
I was um, a while back, probably, I don't know, a year ago or so. And God gave me, I was in my quiet time with the Lord, and God gave me kind of this vision. And I was with Jesus. We were standing on like this, I don't know, it was like a sea cliff, you know, over, over the water and the waves are kind of coming in. It's beautiful, right? And Jesus is like, like, you ready to jump? And I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, all right, three, two, one, go. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Jesus jumps and I'm just standing there. And then he just reappears again right next to me. He's like, are right, you ready now? Three, two, one, go. And then he jumps and I'm like, nope, not ready. <laughs> and he appears again. And so finally, after a while, I'm like, all right, I'm just, just going to trust Jesus. And so it's like, three, two, one. I'm like, all right, let's uh. and So we, we jump. We fall down into this water. And, and we're, we're swimming. And we, we swim into this, like, cavern. We come up out of the water, and there's this huge cavern. It's massive. It's beautiful. And it has this big, like, silo of, like, rock that goes straight up. And there's a tiny little ball of light at the top, like a hole in the top. But it is, like, way, way up there. And I'm looking at it, and in this cavern was this huge kind of hologram image of like this, this city on a hill. Really, it's funny. <laughs> That's what it was. It was like this kingdom built on a hill, right? An old school kingdom. And, uh, and Jesus went over to it, and he like hugged this blueprint. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, this is, this is my bride. It's the church. And he said, he came over to me, he said, Neil, he said, will you say yes to me and to my plans for the church? And I was like, yeah. And so he said, then place your hand here. And so I put my hand with Jesus on this blueprint and then it became a living thing this city, this beautiful city. He says, now hop on. And so we hop on and it starts to launch like a rocket, this city. And it starts launching out and we go out of this hole at the top of this mountain and it closes behind us and then the city comes and it rests on top of this hill. And the land was barren all around us. But as soon as that city landed on the hilltop, Green grass everywhere, trees, fruit trees, beautiful, abundance, plentiful. And he says, this is my plan for the church. He said, when you say yes, when my bride, when they say yes to my plan, when they say yes to what I'm doing, he said, it brings life to the world. Not just light, but life to everyone around And so he asks again, will you say yes? And I'm like, I want to say yes. <laughs> I want to. But it, it's a decision daily, right? Saying yes to Jesus. And so that's the question that I'm presenting to all of us here. Will we say yes to his plan? And when we make our plans, we say, all right, my plans are going to be completely around the revelation of God. It's his kingdom. It's about Jesus. He's king. I'm submitted to him. So every part of my life, to the best of my ability, and I'm going to do it imperfectly, of course, absolutely. 
Lord, I want to say yes. I want to say yes. Amen. So I just want to invite our prayer team to come up. You guys can just stand over here on the sides and listen. Uh, I want to invite you guys up for prayer. If anyone in here, you, you, you're in a place in your life where you're just, I don't, I'm, I don't know what the plan is. <laughs> I need a plan. Or maybe you have something that God's revealed to you and you're waiting. Or maybe, um, you know, you've, you've made some plans for your life and you're like, shoot, I don't know if I've really been submitting that to the Lord. Whatever it is, we want to pray with you. And it could be anything. It could have nothing to do with this message. It doesn't matter. Anything at all. We just want to pray with you. We want to support you. That's what the body of Christ is. And so we all need prayer for different things in different seasons of our life. We just want to pray with you. Um, so would, would you bow your heads and you close your eyes with me? Lord Jesus, give us grace to say yes. Lord, we just want to say yes to your kingdom. Man, you have the plan. And Father, we want to live by your presence. We want to plan by your principles and we want to live on purpose every day of our life. Give us the grace to do so. Wherever we are, Lord God, wherever anyone is, Lord Jesus, I pray you'll minister to your people, Lord, this morning. Lord God, we just receive from you whatever it is that we need. God, we just take a moment now and receive it from you by your grace. You are good, you are faithful, and you are true. And we can trust you every part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to close worship. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. And I will be ever 
Lord, thank you, God, that you are all that we need. And so our lives are surrendered to you, God, because you're good. Oh, God, and you care for your children. But thank you, God, for that. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We love you, and we submit ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.